this episode of the Matter Day podcast, if if you're listening to this and you're wondering who is sponsoring this show, this show is brought to you today by nobody. Nobody pays for this show, and nobody has put as much time, money, or effort into it as yours truly. So today's shout-out goes out to nobody. Without nobody, the show would not be possible. So thanks again to nobody. I use nobody in everyday life, and I try to get by without using anybody. So moving on to the show specifics, if you enjoy this episode, feel free to reach out uh, through Facebook. The Matter Day Podcast has a Facebook page. Always happy to see people there. There's a Discord now, the Matagetti Discord, um, which I'm planning on linking on Facebook. And lastly, bum, 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 if the show means anything to you at all, if it means 10 cents, 5 cents, or 2 cents, or you just want to put in your 2 cents, feel free to Venmo at Matagetti, I believe, is the Venmo as well. But... All of that housekeeping in order. Uh, we're going to jump into the things that we checked out this week. Things um, that I checked out. Matter De- or Matagetti, excuse me, is the correct Venmo if you have any interest in sponsor- helping sponsor the show. Um, and I will give a little shout out to anybody who does. But moving on, um, today's episode is going to be focused on two books specifically. Um, and then a little life update. So first, the life update just for general housekeeping because that's kind of where it fits. Uh, obviously, this show doesn't have like a written form to it, so just kind of plugging in stuff where it feels right. But in uh, general life, excuse me while I move the microphone a bit. In general life update, um, I have moved from the state I was living in in Illinois. I've moved out of state. I'm in a different state now. Yay, welcome to Indiana. Uh, still in the Midwest, which may seem like not the best place in the world, but it's we're getting by. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's pretty okay. Um, to that end, to that end, uh, just getting used to the new environment. Sorry about not podcasting for a little while there. Feeling it out, getting used to it, getting used to the new day-to-day. So I appreciate everybody sticking with me. Um, and then on that note, um, hoping to get more consistent with the podcasts from here, making them and continuing to make them a weekly occurrence. So getting life settled in a new state has been fun. Moving myself across borders has been fun. But most importantly, um, if you are, if you have any... Uh, interest in all of this, <laughs> any interest in what's actually going on, um, feel free to reach out through Discord, through Facebook, which whichever is easier, more convenient, but just want to keep you in the loop. Um, and as always, if you have any recommendations for books, movies, games, or anything like that, feel free to throw in my direction. So the two books that I've read recently that we're going to walk through. The first we're talking about is uh, What the Dog Saw and Other Adventures by Malcolm Gladwell. What the Dog Saw and Other Adventures um, is mostly the other adventures. So Malcolm Gladwell is a writer, I believe, for the New Yorker, um, and I could Google it. My computer's obviously right in front of me, but I have a mechanical keyboard, so unless you want to hear a bunch of clickety-clackety, we'll just leave it at that. It's either The Post or uh, The New Yorker, but he's a uh, journalist, and during his time doing investigative work and reading and researching stories, he finds and has found interesting little tidbits of information that sometimes make a full feature-length story that he writes on. Sometimes it's an idea that kind of spirals and he keeps up with it. And What the Dog Saw and Other Adventures are kind of those stories, but unpacked in a way that doesn't necessarily uh, connect with each other. So What the Dog Saw is a story about a dog whisperer. There's a story in the book about ketchup and mustard and economic. There's one about economics. Uh, Ketchup and mustard stories a little bit about economics. There are ones about salesmen. There are ones about uh, hair dye for women. Um, They're just all sorts of very, very interesting books. Uh, Ones about um, the pill, the the birth control pill. 
uh, just a, a huge range of very interesting little tidbits of information about kind of what we consider to be normal, air quotes on normal for the day-to-day -day life. So if you have any interest in fun factoids, um, they're not necessarily factoids as much as they're fun little, little anecdotal stories, um, I would re highly recommend the book. Uh, it's one of the f books that I've read that I've personally found very easy to just get lost in because the stories and each individual case by case basis, each individual case is about 20 or 30, maybe 40 pages at most. Um, and you, you just pick it up and you read through it and it's interesting and it has a good resolution. Sometimes it leaves you with a question. Sometimes it leaves you with a thought and then it's right on to the next totally different topic about something else. So highly recommend if you enjoy that kind of thing. If you're wanting a narrative, a strong narrative, if you're wanting fiction, if you're wanting something that asks you questions about life's ultimate, deepest, so on and on forth, it's not the book for you. But if you want to know why things are the way that they are in the world we live, I highly recommend What the Dog Saw uh, by Mal and Other Adventures by Malcolm Gladwell. It was 415 pages um, when I read it in hardcover. I also started it via the audiobook uh, version that Malcolm Gladwell himself does the voice for. Uh, he has a very good voice. For audiobooks, I hesitate to say he did all of his own. I think I've listened to two or three of his other ones that he did. I know I've listened to t The Tipping Point and Outliers, which is why I uh, wanted to jump in on what the dog saw when I saw he had another book out. I think it's a little bit older as well, but I definitely enjoyed it. So What the Dog Saw and Other Adventures by Malcolm Gladwell. Outstanding. Um, if you enjoy those kind of short little tidbits of useful information just about the general world around you. From there, um, the next book I really wanted to dive into, I've, I've ripped through a couple since my moving, uh, but it's been different than I expected. So the next book that I want to jump into um, in my the order of books read here is uh, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos uh, by Jordan Peterson. Uh, this one, Peterson has been historically a little controversial. Um, his, his stance against or with certain political parties and just kind of his way of thinking has been has put him at the center of some odd attention that said that aside uh i have to say i absolutely enjoy this book i thought it was um if nothing else it was thought provoking which is always a little tricky to nail in a book you don't want somebody who's too preachy otherwise you don't want you don't want to think you just want to you know fight against everything they're saying and deny what they're saying on the other end you don't want someone who's too uh, laissez-faire in their arguments. Otherwise, you're not getting a real thought. You're just getting someone who's making weak suggestions. So the 12 Rules for Life uh, by Jordan Peterson is, in my opinion, walks a very, very fine line of giving real thoughtful input and gives a real genuine why on the th way things are, the way he sees them and his rules for life. And then it doesn't shove it down your throat to the point of feeling like these are necessarily you know demanded rules these are rules you should live by if you want to live a better life or just kind of cut some of the fat off of your life and, and clean it up a little bit all of that said these rules are not anything that are over the top um i wish i had jotted some down i, I typically take notes as i read books um i'm gonna flip back here and see if i caught any from his I did not. That was uh, that one was. Oh yeah, I did right here. Excuse me. I'm sorry. The little book I have for my notes sometimes confuses me. 
uh, 12 Rules for Life by Peterson. Um, these are my thoughts, so these aren't necessarily the, the direct quotes or anything, and I'll tell you if they're direct quotes. The first one says, the purpose of life is not happiness, it is a balance of chaos and order, yin and yang, walking the straight and narrow. It is to lift your weight and carry it as far as you can. So that's one of his, uh, if you've listened to Peterson talk, you know part of his um, his rhetoric is that life isn't about necessarily being happy or necessarily being pleasant or agreeable. Sometimes it's about just a lot of push. The next one says, do what makes you strong, not safe. Um, again, these aren't direct quotes from the book. These are my takeaways based on what he said. Next one says, separation from truth can be a loop. Flawed person leads to separation, leads to not being where you should be. So it, it then you become a more flawed person and then you have the separation. So finding out how to fix this loop of separation from where you want to be and in turn closing that loop so you can become a better person, a, a thorough, um, complete person is kind of the goal. So the next one says, this is in quotes, so it is not virtuous to be victimized, not, a, or it says, excuse me, it says, um, nay, I was wondering what that word was, because it was like, it, it, the first letter is off, nay, a bully, even if bully is oneself. So it's not virtuous to be victimized. There are people I know personally, and I I'm, would venture to guess that you do as well, who think it's somehow a good thing to be taking a beating or to be at the receiving end of life's wrath and life's unfairness. It's not virtuous to be down there. It's not virtuous to be on the receiving end, to be on the bottom of the totem pole. Nobody at the bottom is somehow more enlightened or better than other people at the top. So having the mind that because life is unfair, you are somehow virtuous is just silliness. Uh, this is These are notes from the book again. Um, do unto others, in quotes, it says, do unto others and then ellipses. And then after the quotes, it says, if you are struggling to use this, reflect on humanity as a whole. So doing unto others, you, would, you, you need to be reflecting a bit. I don't know. I'm not totally sure why I wrote that down. Um, is the conversation only airing the lack of movement? So part of the book is talking about having conversations about difficult. I believe this was part talking about difficult or kind of stagnant moments in life. If your conversation that you're having about these is only airing the lack of movement, are you genuinely looking for answers or are you just wanting to express that you're not moving? You know, it, if you turn on your car and it's in park and you start talking about how it's not moving, but one day you're going to get to the beach and you hope to get to the beach and the beach is where you've always wanted to be. You could see yourself there for a very long time, for hours, even for days. You could live at the beach if you just got there. You have to take the car out of park. Otherwise, we're not going to get very far. So that's kind of that thought. Is it the conversation only airing the lack of movement or are you actually working towards a resolution? Uh, the next one says, be friends with people you can sacrifice the present for the future with. So people who are always wanting to eat up your present, always wanting to take what you have now or even if it's just the time, uh, maybe those shouldn't be 100% of the people you have around. I don't think that should be 100% of anything you have. Um, people or goals, if all your goals or motivations are current-based, if they're all right now, if your job and your kids and everything that's happening is happening right now, what are you excited about in the future? Are you actually working towards a goal or are you just putting out fires and resolving things now? So I think that's kind of where that stems from is having people around that you can be excited for tomorrow with and excited for growth and change 
and be working towards that change with. Um, the next one says, if we accept bad things have happened to someone, they cannot be fixed. This is just coping. Like if it, it, and then in that, if we accept the bad things have happened to someone. So that's saying if bad things have happened to someone, the person did nothing, the bad thing happened to them, then in our, logically that bad thing can't be fixed. It's just coping. So if, if somebody assaulted someone else, like physically assaulted them, if somebody was hit with a car, that happened to that person. You know, there's no way for us to somehow do anything about that. We just have to cope with that, the fact that that happened and then move on from there. The opposite, of, the other end of that is, not the opposite, but the other end of that is realizing that sometimes there's a give and take, sometimes there's a trade, sometimes there's, it's just not something happening to someone, but maybe there's more of an exchange here and we can do something about it. If someone is always coming home from their job and their feet hurt, is that happening to them? Or maybe they have, they need to look for the opportunity to get a different job. It would just change the role that they're in. Maybe they shouldn't be standing at work as much. That's a very specific example. But what, I, what I'm getting at here is just finding ways to kind of shift the paradigm and say, maybe it's not happening to them. And if it is happening to them, maybe we just need to cope with it and find a way to, to look up, you know, further down the line and see where we can fix the problem. Um, next one says, if you have a friend you would not recommend to others, why do you keep them? So do you have friends that you kind of keep on the back burner? Maybe they're not so great. Uh, I have had a few of these historically, and it makes me wonder why I spend time with them if they're not people that I am always happy to bring around to other friends. So if you have a friend that you, you know, you and he or you and she hang out and do things, and maybe you hang out in a certain way or a certain place, and you have a certain kind of vibe you have together, if that friend can't be translated to other places, and if that friend only is kind of a one-trick pony, maybe you need to reevaluate the friendship. Same with relationships. If you have a, a relationship with someone you wouldn't recommend to others, so if you and your significant other, and you wouldn't recommend your significant other to be friends with someone or to grow in a certain way or recommend them for a job, why are you keeping that person around? Maybe they're not so hot. Uh, cutting The next one says, cutting the ties of poor friendship is easier than cutting out cancer. Oof. Um, so... Cutting the ties of poor friendship is easier than cutting out cancer. I think we just make it more than it needs to be. Um, just cut those ties if, if at all possible. Be willing to negotiate with yourself to work towards a better tomorrow. Do not, that's in caps, capitalization, do not betray deals you make with yourself. So what that one was, and I remember that example specifically, he's talking about in the book, he's talking about, I believe it's depression or something, but he's talking about if you're having trouble making progress, just in general, in life, in any instance having trouble making progress negotiate with yourself to whatever the smallest degree you need to is so if you're having trouble getting out of bed to wash the dishes and just getting through a day maybe what you need to do is say okay if i can get through the dishes i will take myself out for a cup of coffee or which is the example he uses in the book i believe or you say you know maybe if i can get a load of laundry done i will give myself 20 minutes of youtube time to just to poke around on YouTube and see what's out there, or maybe 10 minutes walking or something. And then the other end of that, the do not betray the deals you make with yourself. If you promise yourself the cup of coffee or the YouTube time or a nap or whatever it is you promise at the end of your goal, it may seem aspirational to keep fighting through it. You know, if you get that load of dishes done, you say to yourself, okay, I don't need that coffee. I, I lied to myself. I'm going to keep going. But that's not aspirational. That's just lying to yourself. So understand that making those promises yourself and betraying yourself will have a negative impact. Understand that if you're setting goals and then never, 
you know, reaching those goals, but never appreciating it, even for yourself, even after you promised you would appreciate it, you are pretty much shooting yourself in the foot and you will not continue. If you do it continuously, you will begin to not believe yourself, which is dangerous territory to walk into. Um, because if you can't trust yourself, who really can you trust? Uh, next one says suspension of pleasure is the mark of an evolved being. This is something I've been trying, honestly trying to put into words for a little while. Um, I'm, I'm coming up with some sort, I've been working mentally towards this kind of verbiage, but the idea that if you can suspend pleasure, if you can look at the future and if you can plan today to have a better tomorrow, knowing that tomorrow will springboard you into a better Thursday of next week, then maybe you can have a better life if you can get in that habit. So this is something that isn't necessarily limited to Peterson or his way of thinking or anybody's way of thinking, but it's understanding as an evolved creature, as a, a, a person, a human being, instead of being a, a monkey or a whale or plankton, as being a person, you have the capacity to imagine a different, to imagine tomorrow. And by extension, revolutionarily, you can imagine, and evolutionarily, you can imagine a better tomorrow if you change some things today. So use that, plan today a little bit, as much as you can. Again, whatever, beg, claw, whatever you need to do with your mind and with your body, make those exchanges. If you have to buy a cup of coffee today to have a better today, but make it so tomorrow is a half step up. And then the day after that, another half step, and then maybe a full step, but you're working your way towards a better future. Um, the next one says success is in sacrifice. So that means giving up things. That's not talking about in any kind of religious context. Um, this kind of ties in with Jocko Willenick's book, Extreme Ownership. And that book definitely reflects on sacrifice and, and the sacrifice of leadership. But that book definitely puts it in a positive light of, you know, success and genuine push and genuine um, and reaching what you want to reach is going to be found in sacrifice. It sucks that you have to get up at 4 a.m., but it sucks even more if you sleep until 9, 10, or 11 and don't get the things done you want to get done in a day. There's just no way to go back and do it. Next one says, approach who you may be, accept what you are. So understand that tomorrow is coming. Imagine a better tomorrow. Approach it, but accept where you are today. Don't look down on it. Don't, you know, shake your fist at today because today could have been tomorrow if you had just done yesterday better. That makes sense if you think about it, I promise. But understand where you are. Approach who you may be but accept where you are currently. Um, and the last one says, Prior says, all I know is all I... Uh, Prior says, in quotes, all I know is all that needs to be known. So, I don't know what that first part means, Prior says, but all I know is all that needs to be known. Oh, that's says pride says, excuse me, the, the pen is smudgy. Pride says, man, I should probably edit these a bit better, these podcasts but they're genuine. So that's what matters to me. Pride says, all I know is all that needs to be known. So pride coming before a fall um, in the biblical sense, pride before destruction, pride just in general being something that people can just choke on so easily. Um, if you are in any position, not even one of power, but in, even if you're submitting to someone else and you say to yourself, whether verbally, non-verbally, or just the thought passes through that you know all that needs to be known, um, that is, can definitely be somewhere where issues and mistakes can get a foothold and start into the, whatever relationship it is, whether it's you with your coworkers or you with customers at your job or you with different businesses or, or just you with yourself. If you have a subject that you say, I know what I know is all that needs to be known. All I know is all that needs to be known. If you have that way of thinking, you're definitely running into a wall that you've put up for yourself. 
Um, so those are my notes on 12 Rules for Life by Peterson. Again, I understand his book is controversial, which is part of the reason why I want to read it. The other part is because I just really enjoyed uh, his little clip talking about lobsters, and it made me curious about what was going on in the book. Um, as far as recommending it, I would, in fact, recommend it. I don't know that everything in it is something that should be taken religiously, but as I said with the first, first book, excuse me, the first book, um, the, some of these things are just interesting to think about. You know, the world around us working in a certain type of way. And he is a clinical psychologist. You've got, you've got a doctor here who's gone to school for years and practiced for years. So maybe paying some credence and then at least shuffling through the paperwork. It's well written. It's easy to read. It's fun at times. And it's funny. And it's a little quirky. If you've never listened to Peterson talk, he's a bit more off the wall and his mind gets a little tangential, um, which very much like my own. So I found that relatable. However, it's not necessarily for everyone. If you like a more clinical approach to things, uh, it might not be for you in his writing because his writing is intended to be more easy to read. It's, it's more entertaining, um, but it does have a lot of weight to it. It does have a lot of references and a lot of uh, clinical work needed deeply into it. So I would recommend checking it out. It's not a long book. Um, according to my notes that I have taken on the book, uh, it was only, this is the hardcover copy, it was only 445 pages. So a little bit longer than the first one, but not a long book, excuse me, not a long book overall, not a very big book either, and it's well spaced out. I think I read it in the course of a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. So, um, and I, I read multiple books at a time, so I don't know that that's the best measure, but it didn't take me forever. Uh, those are the two books I read this week. Feel free to check them out. As always, if you enjoy the show, please feel free to throw me a, a direct message on Twitter, Discord at Mattagetti, Facebook page at, Matt, at Matterday. Um, or like I said, the Venmo, if this show is worth two cents, you can put in your two cents on Venmo at M-A-T-T-A-G-H-E-T-T-I. But that is all for this episode of the Matter Day Podcast. Uh, if you have anything you want me to check out, feel free to throw it my direction. But I will be going, and I appreciate you guys showing up and checking us out. Toodles!